You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, let's, in the few minutes we have together, and it, I promise you this will be brief um, today, and something the Lord already just kind of redirected me in. Um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians 1. We're jumping into uh, just the beginning of this last part of what we've been talking about, Ephesians 1. Um, we're going to read 18 through 22. And why I think today is going to be a significant day and what I think the Lord wants to do. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. Um, we're going to sing that song. He is worthy of it all. Um, I believe that we're going to see God do some amazing breakthrough in launching, okay? Because um, it's impossible to talk about what we're about to talk about without two things happening, I believe. One is that, like, Really honestly, we get a fresh revelation of some things getting broken off of us. And then second is that we get launched into our purpose. And a lot of times what we do is that we stay in one of those places. And if we don't have them or, or if, we, if we move out of the timing of God, sometimes things can get messed up. Let me explain that. A lot of times we like to stay in a place where we're just continually getting stuff broken off of us and we're getting freer and freer, new levels of freedom, which is important and good. But let me give you this illustration. If you were to go into, and some of you have had this done before, but if you were to go into the hospital and have a hip replacement or a knee replacement or some major surgery like that that impaired the way you move and you walk, what's going to happen is that you're going to go through surgery and for the first couple of days, you're going to have nurses that are going to attend to you, and they're going to love you, and they're going to honey baby you, and they're going to make sure your pain is just perfect, and that you're not feeling the effects of the surgery to the best of their ability. And that's important because your body is healing, and that's natural, and you have to go through that. But not many days after the surgery, there's going to be a guy who's going to, or a person who's going to walk in the door that's going to change your world. And that person is a physical therapist. And you're going to hate their guts because they're going to make you get up. They're going to make you walk. And they're going to tell you that you have to move past the pain in order to get the mobility back for the ultimate goal of the surgery to take place, which is that you get to walk maybe better than you have in, in many years. Okay? And so those are two principles that exist within uh, the medical community, right? And, and surgery and our physical biology of our body, right? For healing and repair. But these things are actually principles that God has ordained. And it's this, that we are saved for something. We are delivered for something. We are delivered for something. But as it pertains to what we're going to talk about today, what we're going to see is one of the major roadblocks to our freedom is not properly understanding the doctrine of the authority of Jesus Christ and what he did. So I want to show you something, what Jesus did at the cross, that both secures our freedom once and for all, and there are specific areas of your life that you're going to get freedom. You may be dealing with fear or anxiety. You may be dealing with rejection, uh, a bad picture of your self-worth, whatever it is. And it's stages. God is going to bring you through these. But when he does, it is final. And it is final to the extent that we begin to live in the fulfillment of the power by which he has set us free. 
Let me, let me explain this to you, okay? Let's read. Ephesians 1, 18 through 22, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now that's where we're focusing today. His incomparably great power toward or for those, us who believe. So this is what the power is as we read on further in Ephesians 1. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all, thing, all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now I want to talk to you this morning about the doctrine of the authority of Jesus Christ and why it matters to you because it secures both your victory and the necessary power for you to accomplish what God has called you to do. And these things are not separate, but they're synonymous. They go hand in hand. They work as a one-two punch. Now, here's what I want you to see. First and foremost is where Jesus Christ is seated. It's, scripture says this, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That when he was raised, he raised Christ from the dead and sat him at the right hand of the Father. And this is positional authority. This is his rightful spot. Jesus descended onto earth in what Philippians tells us was a massive downgrade. And the scripture in Philippians tells us this, that he did not consider it, meaning this, that he did not uh, esteem the glory of heaven so much to the point where he could not come to earth. But his authority was never on the earth. His authority was always in heaven. And so at the resurrection, he was put back to his rightful place of authority. Why? Because he is both creator and he is king. Jesus is both creator and king. The scripture tells us very clearly in Genesis that it was the triune one God that created all things. And again, it reverberates this in the New Testament that Jesus is creator. Why does that matter? Because creation will never be above creator. The things of this earth will never be, be above the creator. He is at the rightful spot as king. He is both creator and he is king. What does this tell us? Why is this important to us? Because we serve him. We live unto him. He does not live unto us. Now, this is going to challenge some of our understanding. It doesn't challenge theology. It does not challenge doctrine. That's never shifted. But it challenges some of our perceptions. Because we have understood, sometimes wrongfully so, that Jesus came to benefit us. He came to set you free. He came to save you. He came to redeem you. He came to call you. And that is a glorious thing that will make you the most happiest you will ever be in your life. But you and I live for him. We live unto him. We live unto his purpose. 
See, there's a difference in our mindset when we begin to understand the authority of Jesus. What takes place is this, is that we don't look at him when things go wrong or when things go sideways in our life and go, God, you don't care. Instead, we trust him and we say, we will follow. We will follow. Why? Because your ways are perfect. Because you have created a plan for me that I know that I can trust because you are creator and you are king. That's not heavy. It's actually easy. This is what Jesus meant when he looked at his disciples and he said, Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is a statement of looking into the creator's eyes and saying, You know what's best for me and I will trust you. I will trust you. And when I can acknowledge you as creator and as king, I can trust you. I can follow you. All right. This is where I want to get today. All right. So it's important for us to understand where Jesus is seated and where his authority is. Now Paul goes into this and he says, listen, when Jesus ascended into heaven, something took place. He became far above all. Far above all. It says this in Ephesians 1, it says, far above all rule, one. All authority, two. All power, three. All dominion, four. And then finally, every name that is named on heaven and on earth. Okay. So, this is what I want to show you is that each one of these things have a separate meaning, and they all pertain to the authority of Jesus and what he did. The first is this rule. This word means this. It's demonic rule. It is demonic rule. It's a signed demonic rule. Uh, Newsflash is that there is a reality of spiritual warfare. Ephesians talks about it. And it's very important that it talks about it in the context of the doctrine of the authority of Jesus because it gives a supremacy and an understanding to that fact that Jesus has won. And this is significant in the way that we understand spiritual warfare. And so the first thing that we see here is that Paul acknowledges, the Holy Spirit is telling us that there is a realm of demonic rule and authority on this earth, but Jesus has been seated above it. And the next thing we see, the next word we see is authority, rule, authority. And what authority is, is demonic jurisdiction. Now, I want to just blow some holes in some people because I've wobbled back and forth on this. And and I think we're going to just create some beautiful balance that's going to launch us and activate us into just this radical, powerful move for us to accomplish what God's called us to do. But... There are territorial spirits, demonic spirits, that rest over areas. Okay, now, okay. Is <laughs> anybody, as anybody, just, just lightening it up a little bit, anybody at SNL fans, Saturday Night Live fans? Old school Dana Carvey, the church lady? <laughs> All right. The devil made me die. Right. So. <laughs> Sorry, okay, that's enough. Uh, Those things exist. Those things exist. Don't worry, don't worry. If you're on the other side of the fence, don't worry. But Jesus is above them, all right? Number three, power. Now, this is where it gets a little different, and you might not know this, but this actually means angelic authority. Angelic authority. 
This word in the Greek is, is put to or ascribed to the authority of warring angels on the earth. Now, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, what you see is Gabriel, right, coming after 21 days of prayer and fasting and saying, uh, uh, your message was hindered, that it was roadblocked. There was a, there was a spiritual warfare that was happening in this, in this realm, right, kind of wild, but it was taking place. So these things are effect here. But, now listen, Jesus is above them. Dominion. This word also specifically refers to the dominion of angels. So here's what we see. For every territorial demonic spirit, there, is, there are angels that are assigned right there, and they're warring. Okay? Some of you are going, what? This sounds like something that I'd watch in a sci-fi movie. Yes, I'm telling you, it's, it's true. It's in the Bible. You guys ready for it? But Jesus is above this. All right. And then finally, every name. Now, this means the title of authority given only by God. Now, here's what I want you to see, and this is what we're going to see in just a second. I'm, I'm going to show you why this matters. So, what does this tell us? Why do we need to understand this, and how does this affect how we, we, we walk out our, our walk? It's because a lot of times we falsely um, put authority on the enemy working in our life, when in reality, when we understand Scripture, the enemy has no authority in our lives. I'm going to show you. Spiritual warfare is real. Demons and angels are real. The fight is real. And what is the fight over? It's over a kingdom. The kingdom of the earth. It's over the hearts of men. The subjects of the kingdom. Why is there a fight on the earth today? And I want to tell you the reality. That's the story of two kingdom shifts. Everybody okay? All right, okay, I don't want to bore you guys here. Um, but I want you to see this. Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 9. Some of you are saying, how is this going to correlate to something awesome happening at the end of service? <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. Just come on. I want everything that you have for me. God is going to set some of you free here once and for all. Whew. All right. Here we go. Hebrews 2, 5 through 9. It says this, It is not the angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. This is in Psalm, Psalm 8. Here, the author of Hebrews dives back into a messianic psalm in Psalm 8, and he says this, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, and a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor, and put everything under their feet. Sounds an awful lot like Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Ephesians 6. 
want to pull out a couple of words for you really quick. The first word that we see in Psalm 8, and again, this is a messianic psalm, which means this. It testifies of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. The psalm, many of you know, was written in the Old Testament before Jesus came on the earth, but yet God was speaking to the people who wrote the psalms and saying this, testifying to them, and they were speaking it out as heralds about Jesus who was to come. So this is the first thing that we see. What is mankind? Mankind is you and I, that you are mindful of them. And then it says this, what is a son of man? Now, son of man is a term specifically reserved for the Messiah, for Jesus. It is not a term in this sense used for the the, the lineage of mankind, but rather it is referring to the Messiah. So we see two people here being spoken of, us and Jesus. There's two kingdoms at play here. You made them a little lower than the angels. What does this mean? That you gave them the occupation of earth. Now, this is what I want you to see. That when God created man, he created Adam and Eve, what did he do? He gave them dominion, authority over the earth. He said, everything that you see is under your authority or under your feet. The angels were in heaven glorifying God. That's what they were. They were created beings just like us, but we were made in the image of God. We possessed an ability to commune with God, as we see through Adam and Eve. But also that authority was given to man until sin. Let's keep reading. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them before sin. Yet present, we do not see everything subject to them. Something changed. What changed? Sin changed things. It invited the authority of the devil on the earth. It it invited the demonic authority of the enemy on the earth. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. So here we see Jesus coming to earth, living as man, fully man. He was fully man and fully God, just like us, became like us, living like us. Who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by, grace of, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. These are the two kingdoms. The first kingdom was established under Adam. It was pre-sin. Adam was the first of man, of mankind. We know that all authority was given to him. But sin interrupted that authority. And it allowed demonic structuring to enter the earth. And in that demonic structuring, the fear of death came. The fear of failure came. The fear of of sin came, of separation came, of identity, of anger. These things entered in because of sin. And there has been warfare that has been challenged on the earth until Jesus Christ came. Then the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the second Adam, and he has brought on a new mankind. 
All authority is in Him as Creator and Restorer. And all things have been placed under His authority. In this age, what Ephesians tells us, in this present age, meaning that this is happening now, but also in the age to come, which is the age when we see a new heaven and a new earth. Don't worry. So we see the challenge between these two kingdoms, and we see that Jesus redid or recreated a new kingdom, and the kingdom is in him. So when we come into Christ Jesus, that same authority exists in us. So the question I ask you is this. If Jesus came and he reestablished the authority of God on the earth in him, and we are in him, then what kind of demonic authority can oppose us? None. None. Okay. I'm going to close with this. Justin, you guys can come back up. Spiritual warfare has been secured through Jesus. I hope you get this. All right, now let's, let's dive for just a half second into Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So you say, well, look, Pastor, if you're telling me all this, why does we have Ephesians 6 and we say, look, this struggle, this struggle is real? Here's what I'm going I'm to explain this to you. There's three, three words that I want you to see. The first is stand, is stand. And it's the Greek word histamine, histamine. It's where we get our word antihistamine from. Have you ever taken Benadryl before? It's antihistamine. I didn't know this until I looked at this, but this, this really blows my mind, is that I always thought histamines were bad because you have to take an antihistamine. You're like, look, anything anti is, you know, if I don't want it in me, then get rid of it. But this is what a histamine does actually in our bodies, is that it causes our blood, uh, our cells in our body to constrict and so when something foreign enters into our body, it causes it to constrict. And that's why your nose runs and your eyes water and you sneeze is because you're trying to repel something that is foreign in your body. That's what a histamine is. And so in Ephesians 6, it says it multiple times to stand. I want to tell you something. That's not an offensive gesture. Paul isn't writing here and saying, go chase down the devil and go kick his butt. I want to just be very blunt with you. That's foolishness. Because you're basically saying in that position that Jesus didn't secure the fullness of him who fills all in all wasn't enough. That he didn't take all the territory that we needed. That he didn't secure the authority and change the kingdom that had been perverted by sin into the kingdom of righteousness for our, us. Right? You're saying, i got to go do something else. But this is what this, the context of this word means literally is this, is that when we feel the enemy come against us, a lie, and this is how he moves. I want to be just crystal clear with you. If you ever feel the opposition of the enemy, it's, he's not taking your life. He is not haunting you. He is trying to lie to you. 
And what should happen is this. The second you hear that lie, the Spirit of God should well up in you and you should repel that thing. And say, that is not of Jesus. That is not who I am. That is not what God says of me. That is not the way I am today. That might have been the way I was yesterday, but it's not the way I am today. And something should repel inside of us. But then it goes on and says this. We say, well, pastor, what what about this word struggle? And some of your translations say we wrestle. We wrestle against these things. Let me me tell you what this word means. And when I saw this, I was like, "How how did I not see this? How did I miss this? And can I tell you for me what it was? Just be really just honest. It's because I was taught a certain way. And that way was wrong. And that way led me in fear. When I realized God doesn't lead me in fear, but he leads me in victory and he leads me in peace because he secured it, Jesus secured it, it began to change the way I see. And so when I looked at this word struggle, it doesn't mean this battle where two people are locked up and it's, it's hours of fighting and toil and agony and all these things. It actually is a word that Homer used, and it means this, to pin the antagonist down by the throat and defeat him. And so Paul pulls from this word and he says, listen, when we wrestle or when we struggle against the lies of the enemy, what we're supposed to do is the Holy Spirit is supposed to well up inside of us and say, that's a lie. And we grab that lie by the throat and we pin it down and we say, never again will you pop up and try to lie to me again. The antagonist has been defeated. Now, when you look at anything in literature, in the, in the, in the Greek, in the, in the antiquity, what you see is this, is when the antagonist died, the antagonist never came back. So when God gives you victory in an area, when the Holy Spirit gives you victory in an area, you don't have to go back and fight that battle again. If you recognize it and say, Holy Spirit, give me victory here, and you take it and you say, never again will you mess with me. And the final thing is this, is that Paul makes it very clear that this isn't in our flesh, and we don't war against flesh, not flesh and blood. We don't do this, which we understand this, that there's times, man, that we just lose our marbles. I know I do, not you guys, me. We just lose our minds when somebody says something, and we go, oh, I just want to just put my hands on you. Jesus, bow. You know, and uh, my kids just told me to stop. (laughs) You don't want me to stop. (laughs) And Paul is saying that. Hey, take your eyes off of that. Don't fight with people. Look, yeah, people are going to say dumb things. I mean, come on. Paul wrote Galatians, and he looked at him and said, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I wish those people would go out and emasculate themselves. Talking about circumcision. He said, I wish they would go all the way and just cut themselves out completely. Look, Paul gets it. Paul is a little bit of a smart aleck. He gets it. He understands that there's people that are, are going to do that. He said, but look, don't wrestle against that. But there also has a dual meaning. It's this, is that you can't accomplish this in your strength either. 
Inasmuch that you don't fight against people, you can't do it in your ability. So what does that mean? You have got to rely. Open our eyes. Give us eyes to see. What Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, I pray that your eyes would be enlightened, that you would be woke up to this truth, the incomparably great power toward those who believe. That all you got to do is get in it. And when you get in it, you get free and you get activated. When you get in it, you get free and you get activated. Because this is where the prayer in Ephesians 1 leads us to. It's this truth that there is an activation of the gifts of God in you for the purposes of God, for the glory of God on the earth for this very day. And all the enemy can do, all he can do is try to lie Try to lie and pop fear. Listen, there are some of you that have been stopped in your tracks because of the fear of death, because of something that has been passed down generationally. God wants to fix that today. There are some of you that have said, there's too much garbage in my past. I can't do this. God wants to fix that today. There are some of you, there are some of you that say, I don't have enough resource. I don't have enough resource to do what God's called me to. God wants to fix that today. I got a clapping crew up here. I saw you. Come clap with me. Are you clapping me? I would love you to clap with me. Because one day her clap's going to turn into my clap times 10. <laughs> oh, man. This is what God wants to do. This is what he wants to do. Hey, can I have some of the ushers come and prepare the tables? So here's what I want to do. Thanks, guys. Just a second. I want us to come up to the table. If you feel led, you don't, you don't have to. <laughs> I got you. And I want you to take communion. And I want you to say, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you, you did it all. I'll say something else too that's gonna sound a little a little wonk. No, no, it's gonna sound great. Is that there are angels that have been commissioned around you. <laughs> so you go, what? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. See, because there is warfare that's happening out there. But you're not out there, you're in him. And so what happens is that your job becomes this, that you begin to lock into. You begin to lock into the purposes of God, to growing up into Jesus Christ, so that the glory of God can be seen on the earth. There will be a day, there will be a day that when, when, when Jesus settles all of the outstanding debts of sin. Oh, hallelujah. There will be a day that every knee bows and every tongue confesses, and that's every demonic being, that's the devil himself. And there will be a day that evil and, and the devil are eternally destroyed and that a new heaven and a new earth is created. I don't think we talk enough about that. I think we should talk more about that. There will be a day. That's why scripture says that it's not just in this present age that Jesus has been exalted, but in the age to come. He's eternal. 
And so when we come to the table this morning, I want us to say, Holy Spirit, will you just begin to fill me with that eternal hope? And if there is anything that is just standing in my way that I feared, whether I feared it from the, the enemy, whether I feared it from a lie, whether I, wherever I feared it from, just generationally, if it's a generational curse, whatever it is, that today I want to say I want to be free, but I don't want to stop at free. See, I want to put my hand, or your hand, my hand on your hand, on the throat of the antagonist of that lie, and I don't want ever to see that lie pop up in my life again. So that I begin to be called into your purposes, that the gifts that you have put in me from the resurrection of Jesus Christ begin to be manifest, so that I begin to live for the glory of God, and I begin to shake off anything that stands in the way of that. Why? Because I serve an eternal God. That today he is for me, and tomorrow he is for me, and every day he is for me. (laughs) Amen. All right, okay. Let's stand to our feet. And then when you get done taking communion, if if you want to stay up here, I want to pray for some people and have some of the ministry team and and folks pray over people. If you just want to be activated in your your ministry, you you don't even have to know what that is. And when I say ministry, I'm not just talking about full-time ministry. And this just isn't for adults or or this is for everybody, young people. And and, and let me say this too. I'm telling you, I've got a lot in me right now. God doesn't have a retirement plan. (laughs) All right? (laughs) So you can't say, don't anybody look at me and say, well, no, I just, my my day's over, sweetie. (laughs) Baloney. (laughs) No. Look, I'll tell you when your day's over. Uh, we'll have a service for you and celebrate your life. But until that day comes, until that day comes, your day's not over. Amen? And if that's you this morning, and, and I want you to stay up here, and I just want some of our, like I said, have some activation, all right? Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you for who you are. Just release the understanding of who you are in our lives in a greater way, in a greater way, in a greater way. I just declare your freedom, your freedom in the name of Jesus. Just come to the table now if you want. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't have to stop, but we're going to nip. Uh, service I just made a contradiction I'm sorry Um, you don't have to stop at the altar but um, for those of you that need to go you can go but one thing I'm going to ask you to do just real quick is that um, I know many people have left um, but if you want to give your tithe and your offering just do that really quick just grab an envelope and do that and if if we have any uh, ushers left thank you ushers for being responsive I got to be really honest with you. I'm, I'm really excited about what God is doing. <laughs> I'm really excited. I got a feeling today that I hadn't had in a long time. And it's a feeling like something's on the, on the, in the air. It makes me want to sing a Phil Collins song. <laughs> and I can feel it coming. It's all right, all right. <laughs> I'm so goofy. I got to get out of the way. <laughs> All right. So I just feel, I feel this. And, and, and maybe the right people are in here right now. 
<laughs> so I felt this as Buddy and Mindy were speaking. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> all right, go ahead and get your offerings past it. Just do what you need to do. Just All right. Money is not going to be an issue for this church. I'm telling you. It's crazy. I don't know how. (laughs) This is not going to be. It's really not. I just feel like faith is coming. Like there's just a, a, just a, so this is what I felt as Buddy and Betty were speaking. The Lord brought me back to a conversation I had with Monty. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, no, man. It's crazy, Everett. It's crazy. <laughs> he called me from a mega church I was working at, and he told me, the Lord told me you're going to be our next youth pastor. They'd already had a youth pastor here before me. I said, I don't think so. And then a month later, I called him and I said, I think so. And he cried, and I cried, and I came down, and he told me the story that he just got a few people around him, and they said, look, we're not in a position to do this right now, but who can believe me in faith for a full-time youth pastor? Now, here's why. It's not because he wanted to mirror what every other church was doing, and that's what needed to happen. Oh, it's because he saw something for a generation. And when you see something for a generation, you got to make room for it. And I'm just telling you, it's not normal, but this is the way this church works. And I've seen it work. And I've been in this church while it's working and while the Holy Spirit moves. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, I want this more than anything else. So this is all I'm asking you is that some of you just, just, just right now just join me in faith that that very soon we're, we're going to have the finances in place for full-time youth pastors. All right? All right? All right. That's all. I'm super excited because I felt it. I felt that air come back. Ooh, man. It's a good day. All right. Hey, y'all go have fun today, all right? Just, just have a great day. We love you. See you Wednesday. Bye-bye.